Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Hello, everybody. Um, what camera am I looking at here? This one? It's so, like, different today. I, like, even changed my, uh, hello, everybody, across the screen. It's good to see you. I thought it was this one, but it's a little bit different today. We got a different angle for you. And, uh... I was like almost saying that in my radio voice. I am stoked about all the things that are coming up here at Slate Church. Uh, I don't know about you, but we've, we're, we're headed towards September 12th, which is our grand reopening. Listen, I don't want anybody to be slow to sign up for our relaunch team. Now, the relaunch team, don't let the words scare you. It literally just means the team of people that are going to go and basically help relaunch this thing. The barrier is pretty low. You don't have to, like, know anything in particular. You don't even, Honestly, I'll just say this. You don't even have to be a Christian. Uh, we will accept people that don't know if they're a Christian yet to help us relaunch a church. I think that's pretty great. Um, anybody, that's how low the barrier is because this team is simply to say, hey, this is what we need to do in order to relaunch a church. Now, if you are a Christian, you call Slate Church home. I expect that this is going to be something you're going to prioritize. I've heard enough complaining about the government shutting down churches to know that every single person that said anything about Doug Ford is about to sign up right now. And so uh, you can sign up at slatechurch.com slash relaunch. I wanted to make sure I didn't get that wrong. Um, But we've got an incredible event coming up this Thursday. More information, obviously, on social media and uh, at the time of our recording, it's just because we want to make sure that we're not giving you a venue. Um, it's, a, it's a great venue that is uh, potentially going to get rained out. So you're just going to have to stay tuned for that mystery location. All right. So make sure you sign up because, honestly, we do need help relaunching the church because there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, spaces that we want to uh, – or, or, or volunteer – spaces and that sort of thing that we'd love for you to get signed up for. And um, we also just want to make sure that we are headed into the fall with the right culture in our spirits as to how we actually want to be as a church. We haven't gathered together for live services since March of 2020. That's over like 70 weeks ago. And I, I think it's getting closer to 80 weeks now. So listen, that means that we just want to do some talking over some stuff that we think is important to us as we relaunch, how we're going to be inviting people. And this is going to be the greatest season in our church for a long, long time. And so we're really excited about that. For everybody that's remaining online, likely because you're outside of the Waterloo region, um, and uh, listen, Obviously, we have a lot of great stuff still happening online, and we're still going to be pumping that just as hard. But this is for those of you in the Waterloo region. Nobody in the Waterloo region um, should be uh, should be should not be considering themselves a part of this. And uh, I think that it's a really good opportunity. So anyway, exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. <laughs> Maybe I'm just delaying because of the topic at hand today. Okay, so... It is the Seven Deadly Sins series. We are on week... Five, which is actually our second last week, we <laughs> picked two, my Lord. <laughs> you know that from Shrek. Anyway, um, it's the second last week, and that's because we tackled two topics in one week. Emma did a great job with that. So next week is our last week, and it is going to be a great topic as well. But today, 
I get to talk about lust. All right, everybody, everybody in the studio is like, whoa, what are we about to say? I will say this, that this message is going to be a little bit age, uh, well, just, you need to be careful if you have young kids in the room, um, and I don't, I think that they should hear this stuff, but make sure that you're uh, prepared to have conversations with them surrounding some of this stuff if they are to ask, okay? That's, that's just how I word it. I'm obviously not going to be too explicit, um, but I do want to go deep into this. So we're going to launch right out of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I love the Sermon on the Mount, which is a, a message that Jesus preached. It was a long message. We get the Coles Notes versions, uh, Coles Note, Note version here in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And this is where Jesus wants to talk to his disciples, but there's such large crowds that he kind of like takes them away on the hill. But we get this image that his disciples are in front of him and he's speaking to them, but he's aware of the crowds behind him. So I think this is important to understand because this isn't just this message that's meant to just be only for the most dedicated people in the church. Like the people that are so close to Jesus right now, this message is for you. No, it's spoken with a cutting or a... Um, a, a directness that would speak to disciples and close followers of Jesus, but it's with an awareness that everybody's listening and they're getting to peek inside a Christian ethic of what it means to be a Christ follower and what it means to live our lives in a Christ-centered manner. Now, spoiler alert, the entire Sermon on the Mount is a unrealistic bar that none of us can hit. No matter how much of this you want to like master and read on and, and come back to and all the rest. The truth is, is that we all kind of suck at following the Sermon on the Mount. This is why Jesus basically follows up this entire message with, you're going to mess up with this, and that's why I came. Because you're going to try to earn your salvation. You're going to try to earn relationship with God. And the only way you can get that is actually through me. So he sets the bar really, really high, knowing we're not going to hit it, but giving us a solution to allowing us to be in fullness of relationship with God. That's important because as we talk about lust, we talk about these sorts of things, it's important to know that none of us are doing a very good job with this one. And yet God is, sends his answer in the form of his son, Jesus, to bring us back into relationship with him no matter how often we struggle with this. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, it says this. This is like, I just tried to pick the verse that essentially just speaks most like to, to the heart of the matter, okay? Jesus says this. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully or a man lustfully has com already committed adultery with them in their heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, throw it away. Gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body, uh, one part of your body, it is better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, I spoke at a church last week in a series that was actually called a series, it was a series at their church called Reconstruction. And I love this because um, in, a, in a society, in a church culture where a lot of people seem to be deconstructing their faith, um, God is actually telling us how to reconstruct some of our 
ideas of who he is. And I think that's a really healthy way to look at it because deconstruction asks the same question that the serpent asked in the garden uh, with Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Whereas reconstruction, where we're building up our faith and understanding that the faith of our childhood really doesn't sustain us into our adulthood. We need to do work on our faith to make it uh, bomb-proof for adult life. And in order to do that, we don't ask, did God really say? We say, we ask ourselves, what does God say? And when we ask ourselves, what does God say? Some things are gonna change from what you learned as a child. But as long as those things are coming closer to what God actually says, then we can hang our hat on it. And Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, but I'm here to tell you. You see, you have heard that it was said that if you um, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman or a man lustfully, has already committed adultery with them in their heart. Let's pray, and then we're gonna break this down. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can hang our hat on it. Thank you that while we build up our faith and we, um, uh, we, we learn more about our faith and all the rest, that God, you're actually there providing us with all we need in order to live a life um, before you that is... is um, it is worthy of the calling you've given us. And God, we know that we can't do this alone, but we actually need your Holy Spirit and we need you. So God, right now, as we learn about lust, something that impacts nearly every one of us, God, we pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts, convict us, and show us the direction and the way that you would love us to go. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, where do I start? <laughs> where do I start with a topic that is so familiar to most of us in the church and yet something so stinking uncomfortable. It's like we get um, awkward when we hear the word lust or sex or porn. It's like we kind of squirm a little bit. And yet it's something that so many of us engage with regularly and struggle with regularly. It's something that, as defined by Pastor Jared uh, in our Word of the Week just before I came up, um, it's actually something that a lot of us experience to a regular degree. Lust, in my definition, Pastor Jared, we just looked at different dictionaries, is a passionate or overmastering desire or craving. I think that was pretty close to what he read. Another way to understand lust is it's just a distorted desire. Lust is a distorted desire. It has to do with this passionate or this, this thing that, that comes over us. It's this, it's this craving. Now, lust can be applied to sexual things, but lust actually is something that is applied to something far more than just those of the sexual nature. Now, we're going to key in on that today, but lust can be applied to money. It can be, it can, uh, be applied to possessions. It can be applied to power. It can be applied to um, notoriety. It can be applied to so many different things when all of a sudden the passion overwhelms us and it puts us into overdrive, allowing us and causing us to neglect some of the things in our lives that are actually quite important. You know, this idea of craving is something that we all know really well. I don't know how many times I need to start you know, I'll tell Emma, I'm like, all right, I'm not eating sugar anymore. I do this a lot. Uh, for those of you that don't know, one of the best things that I've do ever done in my life and one of my, like, best accomplishments, one of these things that I didn't get a medal for, but, like, there's a medal on my heart, you know, that type of thing, um, is that I didn't eat refined sugar for an entire year 
one year, okay? Like for an entire year, I started, I think it was December 1st. Um, and on December 1st, I said, okay, I don't want to eat any more sugar this year. And I was like, whatever. Like, you know, these are some of the things that you pick up in marriage. It's like, babe, I'm not going to do this. And like, okay. You know, I'm going to book us a, us a little dessert date on this day because I know it's. So anyway, I wanted to do this because I'm like, hey, if I can get through December and mom's desserts, you know, around Christmas time and that sort of thing, if I can do that, the rest of the year is going to be a breeze. And so, honestly, I went from December 1st to the next uh, December 1st, um, basically not eating any refined sugar, like hardly anything. Now, I was like, on December, on December 1st of the next year, I was like, I'm so proud of myself. Like, I, I, was, I was the most proud I'd probably ever been. I just went an entire year without eating refined sugar. And so, I thought to myself, well, I got to reward my, myself with something. And so I decided, I'm going to reward myself with a little bit of sugar. Just like a terrible idea for somebody who's like a recovering sugar addict. And I remember just gouging myself, like just gorging myself rather on sugar for the next month. It was like the purpose in starting the month off the previous December, like I'll get past the hardest month of the year. Well, it was the worst month to have ended it on because now I'm just like, I didn't have this for a year. I deserve this. And all of a sudden this craving starts overpowering some other better desires like for health and just like not to like clog my arteries and stuff like that. All of a sudden I don't care as much about that because I have this lust for sugar. Now, we've all experienced cravings. We've all of, all of us have experienced this passion that drives us to do crazy things. If you've ever fallen in love, you will do some crazy stuff to earn that love. You will, you will, your, your natural, like, logic will be overdriven by this desire to please. And so it is with lust of a sexual nature. Now, I bring this up Almost every time I talk on this subject, um, this particular uh, metaphor that comes from C.S. Lewis, I believe it's from C.S. Lewis, and I exaggerate on it more and more every single time I tell it. But I think it's because for a lot of us, we go, well, what's the big deal with this anyway? Truthfully, I think there are a lot of us. Like, I think there's some of us, this topic came up, and it's like, man, I need this. Like, pandemic's been difficult. And the truth is, like, the pandemic has actually brought out a lot of negative things, and often they're pretty hidden because we've been so isolated. We've been able to engage in things um, that might, you know, be hidden in the dark. And in so a moment like this, some of us are just ready. We're like, yeah, I picked up a porn addiction throughout COVID, and I just don't know what to do with it. I'm ready to give this over. Some of us are in that posture, but some of us are resistant. We're like, I know it's bad, but, like, I don't know, I get rid of it, and, like, it's, I, I just need it. Some of us if we're being completely honest, we don't even know why it's that bad. Like, how's it really hurting anybody that I'm doing this anyway? And so C.S. Lewis, he shares this, um, this metaphor, right? This metaphor of, uh, of, of a, a society that's obsessed with cheeseburgers. Now, again, I'm, I'm like elaborating on his original metaphor a lot here. But so imagine you walk into a place and, you know, you walk in and it's kind of this like dimly lit room. And uh, you walk in, and, and it's kind of smoky and, and, and kind of hazy, but everybody's kind of sitting down, and, and there's, a, there's a stage. And up on that stage, there's a, there's a stool, kind of like a platform. And on the platform, there's a cheeseburger. <laughs> and on this cheeseburger, it's, it's wrapped in tinfoil, and it just came from a restaurant. And, 
and they put it up there on the top, and the guy walks in, and he just puts it there on the thing, and everybody starts, everybody kind of gasps as he sets it down. They're like, whoa, okay, okay. Somebody from the back is like, is that a double cheeseburger? You know, because there's always that guy everywhere. <laughs> right, so he's, he's there, okay. And everybody's like, be quiet, man. I'm just trying to tell a story. So I continue with my story. All of a sudden, the guy starts to unravel just a piece of the tinfoil. And, and at, now everybody's like on the edge of their seat. They're like, do you see what I see? And he unwraps it a little bit more and people are like, oh my God. <gasps> they're holding their breath and he unwraps it a little bit more. And finally the, the, the bun is exposed and they're like, oh my God. Like this is like, it's getting really detailed now. If I'm going to keep sharing this story with you guys, I need to. Some of you are like, I'm tired of hearing this story. <laughs> like, okay, turn it off. We'll be here next week. Okay. Um, so he keeps it, and everybody's leaning on the edge of their seats, and all of a sudden, it's, it's fully exposed. And, and he says that to the crowd, you want to see underneath the butt? <laughs> no, stop it, Emma. <laughs> stop it. And he opens it. Okay, you guys get the point. Basically, he says, like, if this, was, if this was a society just like aliens came to, and you just like showed up. You show up in this room and you guys got, you know, they've got cheeseburgers on their planet and they just like kind of show up. They'd be like, what is going on here? <laughs> in fact, they might say that this group of people, this society has an unhealthy relationship with cheeseburgers. <laughs> like there's an appropriate way to eat a cheeseburger that's in tinfoil and it's not that. And so when we read in scripture about sexuality and lust and everything else, like, I mean, the Bible isn't trying to like dampen our fun. The Bible is trying to say, listen, sex and, and, and relationships and, and nakedness and sexual acts and all the rest have their place, but, but that's exactly it. There, there is a place that is, is best to um, experience that. There's a, there's, a, there's a way to best enjoy that. There's a way to actually enjoy it to its fullness. And, and for a lot of us, we're just, it's just not it. What we're doing is just not it. Because as much as we sometimes are like, I don't want to hear what the, like keep the church out of my bedroom. The truth is I'm going to invite, not the church, certainly I do not want to invite the church into my, but I want to invite God's view of what sexuality looks like into my bedroom. Because as far as I learn, money is the number one reason. It's actually like the first two, if you look at it, first two reasons why people divorce. Sex is the next thing. Unmet expectations, a dissatisfaction, expecting one thing and not getting it. This is something that impacts us all. And so lust is one of these things that over and over again, as we start to in, uh, uh, interact with it, we start to learn that if we don't get a handle on this, it will actually destroy us. And so in Matthew chapter five, in verse 27, we learn that Jesus is actually, is actually heightening our response to lust, to sexuality, to um, instinctual, our instinctual nature when it comes to our sexual, um, our, our, our sexual um, um, being, part of us. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with them in, her, in, in their heart. So I find it interesting that Jesus goes from something that has a pretty defined barrier 
and boundary to something that's actually fairly um, uh, undefined. You heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. That's easy for me to do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I won't sleep with another person. Like, that's an easy one to follow. But all of a sudden, Jesus goes, no, no, no. It's, you know, anyone who commits adultery in their heart, anybody who lusts in their heart commits adultery. Well, that's harder to measure, isn't it? At what point do I lust after somebody in my heart? And yet Jesus is keeping it this way because he's saying, no, 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 doing the act of adultery is only part of the problem of lust. It's only part of the problem of sexual sin. It's only part of the problem of enjoying the thing that we should be enjoying out of its natural state. The bigger part is actually making sure that we take steps long before then to make sure that we're staying way away from that area. And so for myself, I mean, I could read out to you, I, I don't, I don't, have it in front of me, but I wouldn't mind reading it to you. I make sure that I set the boundaries when it comes to lust and sexuality in my life far from the road of adultery. Like for me, if I'm going to set up a boundary, it's going to be way back from actually doing the deed. <laughs> I think for some of us, we walk around and it's like, well, as long as I don't look at pornography, as long as I don't search anything explicit, then I'm okay. Searching general search terms in the Google search engine, that's okay. I mean, I just search beach and I just scroll for a long time. Like, what is that? You know, well, I didn't really look at that thing. I just like followed a couple of links. I kind of knew it would go there, but I was like, I thought maybe the link wouldn't do that the next time. And, you know, we're just going around and, and we go like, at what point? You see, for myself, I want to make sure that it's long before that point. Emma's got a list, and, and maybe this is my way of recommitting this list to Emma right now, because you, when your boundaries are so, like, far from the road, uh, you sometimes are like, well, I don't need to tell her this time. But some of my boundaries are, anytime I go to the, the search, you know, the little magnifying glass on Instagram, I tell my wife. Because I don't know what yours looks like, but mine is like, what? <laughs> like, what is this? I don't, sh I don't follow or like a single thing that has to do with this. Why is this showing up? I tell her. If I search a general word that has something to do with the hopes that maybe I might see someone, I tell my wife. If I notice somebody that's, um, that's beautiful that walks in the room, that's okay. I'm not lusting. I'm just recognizing beauty. That's actually okay. We're allowed to notice that person's beautiful. That person's good looking, objectively there. But if I take that second look, I tell my wife. You see, these are the things and these are the boundaries I set up so that I don't have to come with my tail between my legs every time like, oh, I messed up. Because I think for some of us, we're get, getting ourselves so worked up about something that so many people are engaged in without giving ourselves a fighting chance. And Jesus says, don't just, don't just call it sin when you've committed adultery. Let's start calling it sin the moment it enters our heart and we start entertaining it in our minds. And so he's basically saying, set up some better boundaries for yourself. Set them up further down the road. And secondly and finally, because this message isn't going to be going on too long, we're going to talk about this again for sure. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So if we're going to set up boundaries, we need to pursue them at any cost. At any cost. How do I fight this? At any cost. How do I stay away from us at any cost? Well, how do I make sure that I don't stumble? Or how do I make sure that I don't commit at any cost? So this guy named David, he's in the Old Testament, the part of the Bible that looks forward to 
the life of Jesus. David, he's a great king. He's a man after God's own heart. His men are off at battle, and he's not. Of course, we learn, you know, through, through growing up, and, and if you grew up in church, it's like, hey, when, when you're supposed to be off at battle, go to battle, because it's when we're actually bored, we're more likely to commit adultery. We're more likely to lust. I was having a conversation with a guy the other day, and I, I could resonate with him. He said, like, when I'm bored, I tend to lust. <laughs> It's like, it gives me something to do. It sounds bad, but they get, and I'm like, dude, I've been there. I get it. Like when you just don't know what else to do, like sin is enticing. It's knocking at the door, we're told in scripture. And so David's just kind of in his palace and he's just kind of like looking around. It's like the original, like, I'm just searching beach in the Google search engine. Like what? He knows that woman bathed on the rooftops. This is like unbeknownst to the king, but there he is with his binoculars. And he's like, ah, Bathsheba, which I just find so ironic. Bathsheba is bathing on the rooftop. I'm just like, really? Like, this is the kind of humor we're getting out of the Bible. Like, she is like, and so he takes a look, and in fact, he brings her into the palace while her husband's at war. He's bringing her into his palace, sleeping with her, and sending her home. Well, she gets pregnant, so he goes, hey, bring that guy back from battle. Get him to sleep with his wife so he doesn't know that it's not his kid, you know? He doesn't want to come back because he's an honorable man. He won't go back to his wife. And so David goes, kill him. (laughs) See, I find it interesting because Jesus says, avoid adultery, lust, and sexual deviancy at all cost. And yet we know that we will actually, in our own human sinful nature and desire, we will actually pursue lust at any cost. We will pursue sexual deviancy at any cost. We will pursue sexual sin at any cost. David is simply just an example of what we all do. We so often find ways to concoct ways to actually go in this direction, and yet Jesus is saying flip the narrative. Rather than at any cost finding that, that, that site that you desperately want to go on, or going on Reddit and just getting to all the you know, NSFW tabs and all the rest, like rather than doing all of that, why don't you, why don't you flee from this sin at any cost? See, rather than pursue it at any cost, let's flip the script as Christians and go, you know what? At any cost, I'm going to run from this thing. I'm not just going to set up boundaries, but I'm going to pursue them at any cost. I think for some of us coming out of this message today, we just literally need to go, you know what? I'm going to find somebody I trust, and I'm going to be open with them long before I lust after somebody. I'm going to be open about just, just the way that I walk. You know, for some of us, we've gone this far in the message, in this message, and we're thinking it's still just a dude problem. This is a human problem. I think there's so many women on the other side of the screen and on the other side of this right now that you're just sitting back and you actually feel more shameful because it always seems to be the, the guys are talking about it. And you're going like, how do I deal with this? Because it seems like nobody else, that nobody else like me is dealing with this. And I'm telling you, you're not alone. Woman looking at pornography is on the rise. Some of the statistics when it comes to, like, in fact, it's like, it's like that's the, the, the fastest growing demographic of people looking at pornography is amongst women. So I, want, I just want to submit to us today, find somebody you trust. Be open about the struggles in your life. Church, I've, I've told you before, like, one of the great things about, I don't know if it's great, but I think it's great. This is what I'd want. But having me as your pastor is I've got no skeletons in my closet. This topic in particular is something I've struggled with my entire life, my entire life, but it's a battle I'm winning because God 
speaks into this area of my life more than I speak it into this area of my life. God speaks into this area of my life more than, you know, the Billboard Top 100 speaks to this area of my life. Because it's funny, no matter where you look, our society is obsessed with sex. I am tired with the narrative of saying church needs to stay out of my bedroom when it's like, well, you're letting every other area of society into it. You better start welcoming God into it. Otherwise, you're gonna follow this culture into whatever area you want. Don't allow culture to speak to it and not allow culture and not allow God. Allow God to speak into it. Find some trusted people that you can be open and honest with. If somebody's being open and honest with you, it's not the time to cut off their hand. Jesus didn't say cut off somebody else's hand so they won't commit adultery. He said cut off your own hand. That's up to them to decide. You're there to support them and walk them through and show them that the grass isn't greener on the other side if you're married. The grass isn't greener when you feel like I need that dopamine kick. I'm just gonna go online real quick. The grass isn't greener. The grass is actually greener where you water it. And if we water ourselves together in God's word and in his truth, we can actually fight this in the name of Jesus. So I know last time I came with anger and I brought all this cool stuff and people are like, whoa, that, like, I learned so much. I don't know if you learned anything here today. But I hope that, <laughs> it's kind of true, but they like laughing, like, oh, interesting. But I hope that the, at least, at a minimum, what you have learned today is that you don't have to be scared of God in this area of your life. You can actually bring it before him because he knows you're not gonna hit the mark anyway. <laughs> Jesus wants to cover even the sins that we're talking about today. It doesn't mean that we disregard the standard. It means that we include him by accepting the forgiveness that he has for us, that he paid for us on that cross. He said, hey, I'm gonna give you a bunch of standards to live up to. You're not gonna do it, but I'm gonna go die on that cross. I'm gonna go all the way for you on that cross. I'm I'm gonna hang there for you. And as I hang there, I want you to know that you can accept this free gift of salvation and you will spend eternity with me. And that eternity doesn't start when we die. It starts right now, heaven on earth. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, really quick, if you're at a watch party, um, I'm just going to encourage you. Why don't you just lift a hand? Everybody else's eyes should be closed in this moment. And if that's you, why don't you just lift a hand? Say, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. If you're watching online, there's a little button that just popped up in the chat. That's you, I wanna pray for you. Jesus, thank you for everybody lifting up their hand or making that decision in their hearts. It's, this isn't just lifting our hands. This is an outward response to an inward decision. Saying, hey, I need, I need to somehow externalize what's been happening to me internally. God, I, I, I pray for everybody that wants to make a decision to follow you and accept that Jesus paid a price for their sin on the cross. God, I pray right now that they would find peace in their soul and that your Holy Spirit would come and meet them exactly exactly where they are. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, with every head bowed and eye closed, I just wanna ask, you know, is this an area that you love prayer in? You know, for anybody that says, I never struggle in this area, well, I would say as one pastor I heard this past week as I was preparing, I would say to you, well, you're either lying or you're not being truthful with yourself. There's a reason why sex sells, and it's because it is the greatest thing that marketing companies can put in front of us because it impacts nearly everyone. But there is a difference between the people that want to admit that and give that up to God and those that are going to continue to fight this in your own strength. And my my question to you today is, would you like God's help in the fight against lust in your life? If that's you, could you just lift up a hand? 
So I wanna pray for you. My hand is up because I desperately, like right now in front of you all, I desperately need God's help in fighting lust in my life. And if that's you, I wanna pray for you. Jesus, I thank you that you came not just to give us a bunch of rules and standards, which you did come to do, but you also came to give us the strength to be able to get closer and closer to those standards, to avoid the effects of sin and death. Not just to avoid them, but actually to experience life and life to the fullest. So right now, as we're just admitting we need you in this help, we need your strength in this fight against lust and this sin that attacks our own sexuality. God, I pray that you, Lord, would come into our innermost places. God, those places that have been rerouted through neuroplasticity because of the dopamine hits, God, I pray that you would reset our minds. God, I pray that you would reset our spirits. God, I pray that you would become the greatest desire in our hearts so that we would no longer have this distorted desire called lust ravaging our souls and our minds and our bodies. Help us to set boundaries and help us to pursue them at any cost. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.